Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Hey, former brother Elo, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family and Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. In segment number two, we're going to be joined by Rob Donaldson. He does terrific work doing the show slash podcast Rob's Best Bets, which you will find on YouTube.com slash Rob Donaldson. He does an amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball, does an incredible job on college basketball, and so much more. And we're going to be discussing how to handle some of these very chalky money line situations like the Mariners being nearly a $3 favorite against the Oakland A's, the Atlanta Braves being a big favorite against the Colorado Rockies. We're going to be taking a look at the lay of the land when it comes to the AL West. Certainly, we're going to be hitting that big series between the Brewers and the Cubs, and we're going to get his best bets for Tuesday, as in the final segment, we're going to be taking a look at all these games as I give you picks and analysis on every single game on the betting board for this Baseball Tuesday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to this in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNNR41. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Always do keep in mind with the recap. I do have to do this a little bit in advance. So Greg Peterson experiences from Monday through Friday, midnight to 3 Eastern time, Pacific time. That'd be 9 to midnight, so do have some games that are still going on, especially on the West Coast. But let's take a look at everything that we did get on the board for Monday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Of course, with the DK Network right to pick, I take a under with the team that has been the top under team in all of baseball in the Cleveland Guardians. And they had this game over in the second inning. So I will look to do better because that was a very poor effort for myself on Monday. As I do this podcast, the Twins are up 10-6 to going into the 8th inning. Would be very stunning to see anything else happen other than a Twins win here at Xavion Curry. Just completely destroyed. Gives up six runs over the course of two innings, including a grand slam. Hitting that grand slam, Mr. Royce Lewis, his eighth home run season. It's been a big difference maker, by the way, for the Minnesota Twins. 
Matt Walner and Ore Palunco. They were both able to get home run number 10 of the season. That comes off for Daniel Norris. He gives up four runs and two innings. From there, you've had Eli Morgan, Anyale Los Santos give you three squirrel settings, and James Karinczak is trying to stem the tide. Meanwhile, Bo Naylor for the Guardians. He was able to get his sixth home run season as Keta Maeda. Rough start for him as well. By far his worst start since coming off the injured list. Six runs surrendered over the course of four innings. Josh Winder has lent two squirrel settings from there. Cody Funderburk in his MOE debut. Two scoreless innings as well. This game is all final as the Baltimore Orioles they take down the Chicago White Sox by a count of 9 0. Michael Kopeck, as expected, he got crushed, giving up four runs over the course of four innings for Baltimore. It was actually Anthony Santander who went deep off of the bullpen for his 25th home run season. Long bomb of the game as Edgar Navarro gives that one up. Gives up five runs over the course of an inning. Sammy Peralta actually pitched three innings of relief scoreless, so he did his part. And for Baltimore, really doing his part, Grayson Rodriguez. Ever since he got sent back up from the minor league level, he's given up three runs or fewer in all but one of his starts. That was his first start back up against the Dodgers. Gives up a one hit and six scoreless innings. Jacob Webb, D.L. Hall, they combined for two scoreless innings from there. And Chitetto Fujinami was able to end the scoreless setting as the Chicago White Sox. Bottom three team in the big leagues with regards to win percentage since the All-Star break. The Washington Nationals have won 25-17 and 17 since the All-Star break, but one of those 25 wins was not on Monday. They lose to the Toronto Blue Jays by count of 6-3 as Uzziah Gray. He did not last long in this one. He gives up four runs over the course of two innings from there. The bullpen honestly wasn't terrible. Jose Farrar, Jordan Weems, they both led a scoreless inning. You had a Robert Garcia. Give up a solo home run over the course of his two innings. Andres Machado gives up one run in his two innings as well. It's going deep for the Toronto Blue Jays. Danny Jansen, 16th home run season. And for Kevin Gosman, a very rare circumstance. Not a great start, not a terrible start. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. He seems to be a little bit all or nothing, but this Blue Jays bullpen with ranks in the top six in the big leagues with regards to ERA. Got done. Trevor Richards, two scoreless innings. Genesis Cabrera, Jordan Nix. The former Cardinals both lend a scoreless inning. For the old Walker Texas Rangers, they get to the Mets bullpen and they get a 4-3 win. For the Mets, they waste what was a pretty solid outing from Trevor McGill. He gives up one run over the course of six innings. And the Mets have been a very demonstrative team to the under as well. 58.5% of their overall games have gone under the total. And if you're looking at them, right around 66.7% of games have went under. As you had Sean Reed Foley from there give you a scroll setting. Sam Coonrod, fair outside of the bullpen. But Trevor got. He got got, giving up two runs over the course of an inning. And Brooks Raley gives up a run in his third of an inning as well. And for the Mets, they got a pair of home runs. Brandon Nimmo, 19th home run season off of John Gray. And DJ turned it up. Stewart gets his seventh. That also comes off of Gray, who gives up three runs over the course of six innings. But Marty Perez, two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Jose LeClerc, that was big for a Texas team that had lost seven out of their last eight games. And for the Rangers, they go three of ten with Ben in scoring position to be able to get that one to the window. Back-to-back good starts for Luis Severino. A back-to-back wins in Luis Severino starts for the Yankees. They take down the Detroit Tigers by kind of 4-1. to Reese Olsen also entered in this game struggling, and he punched out 10 and 4 to third innings. Problem was he jacked up his pitch count to 100 and had to leave very early. From there, Brendan White, five outside the bullpen scoreless. Jose Cicierno, though, gives up a run in an inning. Alex Langland's a scoreless inning, but... Bo Brisky was really the big reason why the team could not come back. Two solemn runs give it up in his inning of work going deep. The Judge, Aaron Judge, 29th home run of the season. He was Judge during an execution. Aaron Glaber Torres added his 21st home run of the campaign as for Detroit. They're 
Lone form of offense, Akil Badu goes deep in the ninth inning off of Clay Holmes for his ninth home run season. Holmes allows that home run in his inning of work, but for Luis Severino, seven scoreless innings, and then Jonathan Velazquez gets scoreless innings. So perhaps we are starting to see Luis Severino find that home form that he's had, and for the LA Angels, right now their form is absolutely terrible. They have now lost, I believe, 18 out of their last 24 games. Six of four, the Philadelphia Phillies are able to get this one done for the Angels. Lucas Giolito, another terrible start. He's got a north of six ERA in games not started in Chicago. Five runs surrendered and five and two-thirds hangs going deep off of him. Trey Turner twice since that random standing ovation. He has been like the best hitter in all of baseball. 16th and 17th home runs of the season. Bryce Harper also, his 10th home run since the All-Star break. 13th home run of the campaign. From there, Aaron Loop gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen scoreless. Dominic Leone, one and two-thirds hangs. He allows a run in for the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, Tom Walker give up three runs over the course of five and a third innings, but you had the bullpen have his back. Jeff Hoffman, pair of outs out of the bullpen. Matt Strom, he gave up one run in two-thirds of an inning for Walker, actually two-thirds of an inning, five and two-thirds innings, but Gregory Soto, Craig Kimbrell, they both land a scoreless inning of their own, so the Phillies, they stay hot. Also looking to stay hot is the Milwaukee Brewers. They entered into Monday on a eight-game win streak. As it stands right now, they are up 6-2 going into the ninth inning, so they should be able to extend this. Wade Miley had himself a party out there in Chicago. Did allow a pair of home runs in his six innings, but they were both solo shots. Ian F, 16th home run season. Patrick Wisdom is 21st, and for James to tie on, the struggles continue. Four runs earned, five runs of total surrender over the course of six innings, with the Brewers getting a pair of home runs off of him. Mark Canna. Yes, he can get his eighth home run season, and Christian Yelich, his 17th home run season. Drew Smiley from there has given up a run in an angle. Jose Kuas, squirrel signing out of him, so we shall see how that game shakes out. We know that this game is going to be going over, and that, I believe, is a 12th straight over for the Boston Red Sox, depending upon your closing number. It's right now going into the bottom of the eighth inning, and Houston has just destroyed Boston. 13 to 4 is currently the score, and a trail of home runs. For the Houston Astros, Jordan Alvarez, 22nd home run season. Jose Altuve is 10th, and Jose Abreu was able to get his 11th of the campaign for Abreu. He gets his home run out for Chris Hale, who, and it wasn't a ton of length, but it could have been worse. Gives up three runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, and they've tried to throw Kyle Bearclaw in long relief, and it's not worked. He's given up 10 runs and gotten 10 outs. Not good. Not good at all. Adam Duvall, meanwhile, he goes deep off of one. Christian Javier for his 17th home run season. Javier, another rough start from him. He's had north of a 6 ERA, really, since the beginning of the month of July. Four runs surrendered over the course of four innings, but Kendall Graveman a scoreless inning. Jose Arikidi in long relief has also been able to land two scoreless innings. Looks like the Pittsburgh Pirates should be able to get this one done. Currently up going into the ninth inning, 5-0 on the Kansas City Royals. as Yohan Oviedo. He's currently pitched seven-plus innings of scoreless baseball. Meanwhile, for the Royals, Zach Granke gives up two runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. And Taylor Earn, as he always does, he gives up runs. He has given up two runs in his inning of work. Tucker Davidson, four outs out of the bullpen scrolls. Jackson Cower, he was able to lend a scoreless inning as well. as been a very strange Kansas City Royals team, to say the least. And a team that has been playing quite a few more overs recently. Overall, for the season, they have played right around about 55% of their games to the over with the final in that one. A little bit pending. We aren't going to be able to give you too much in the West Coast games. Diamondbacks and Dodgers just getting started. Giants and Reds as well, along with Mariners and A's. So we will clean those up in the AM. And 
I think that we know how the Mariners and the A's game is going to go as the Mariners in the second inning already having a lead. We also have this game that is hanging in the balance. It is the Atlanta Braves and the Colorado Rockies. Currently 4-4 four four going into the top of the sixth inning as we've gotten a pair of home runs for Atlanta. Austin Riley, 31st home run season. Ronald Acuna Jr. is 29th as Austin Gomber allowed the home run to Riley. He completed just two and two-thirds innings giving up two runs. I think that he had to be replaced due to injury as Carl with a K. Kaufman is coming in long relief, giving up two runs and two and two-thirds innings as I record. And Ryan McMahon, you got his 22nd home run campaign. It comes off of Bryce Elder. went five innings, giving up four runs, 82 pitches thus far. So we shall see how far the bullpen needs to take them. And the Padres currently up in the ninth inning by kind of two to one. Blake Snell, he just continues to be awesome. He continues to give up walks as well as He's given up at least three walks and now nine out of his last 11 starts. But you know what? Seven scoreless innings. It's still seven scoreless innings. Punched out nine. And Robert Suarez from there did give up a home run. Going deep for St. Louis. Paul Goldschmidt, 22nd home run season. And Adam Wainwright, his second start of the year, in which he allows fewer than three earned runs out of 18. He gives up just one run in six innings. Andre Pallante, he gives up a run in an inning. And Jacob Barnes, scoreless innings. So, Cardinals looking to give themselves a little bit of opportunity going into the bottom of the ninth inning. And if you're taking a look at the great game of baseball right now, it has been quite topsy-turvy with regards to the trends that we are seeing. But we've seen a lot more overs starting to come in. Over the last three days, 199 overs and 197 unders. And obviously a few results from Monday still pending. And favorites in the time span hitting at about 57.7%. 232 and 170 straight up. And favorites have been covering the run line a lot more recently. All but 49 of these favorites. That one outright, we're able to cover the minus one and a half. If you take a look at the last seven days in baseball, favorites are at 56 and 37. That's a little bit north of 60% on that hit rate. And all but 12 of these favorites have been able to cover the run line. Meanwhile, over the last seven days, once again, few results for Monday pending. 58 overs at 34 unders. That is a 63% hit rate to the over. And if you're looking at the season to, to date, the under saw the advantage, but it's become a little bit more thin. 949 unders to 936 overs. So the over is making a bit of a charge. Meanwhile, favorites overall for the season hitting just above 58%. 1,130 and 815. And among these favorites, we have seen now a grand total of 287 able to cover the run line. So that's what we're seeing right now in Major League Baseball, and that's what we all got on Monday. Coming up next, we turn it forward to Tuesday, take a look at the very white-hot AL West, the Seattle Mariners. We're going to be diving in on the Cubs versus Brewers and so much more with Rob Donaldson, who does great work over at Rob's Bets, right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. And it is always great to be joined by this man as Rob Donaldson. He does great work taking a look at the game of baseball. He does a pair of podcasts, a no-name baseball podcast. I know that he does that with one of our good friends at Adam Rosenberg. And on top of that, the Rob Best Bets podcast. You're able to find that every day on his YouTube feed, youtube.com slash Rob Donaldson, as he does an amazing job taking a look at this game that we all know and love. I know that he, much like myself, is ready for some football as well, and every single time he joins this podcast, always lends great picks and does a great job on the college basketball front as well. To be able to follow Rob on the old X slash Twitter, that is at Rob DFB altogether, and Rob Great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Greg. It's a really fun time to be a baseball fan. And like you've been saying, these races are heating up, and we got a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. And Rob, how are you right now handling this white-hot Seattle Mariners team that going into the month of August, they were a half a game back of the LA Angels for third place within the division. 
They entered into Monday, I believe, 11 and a half games clear of the Angels. So a sway of 12 games in the matter of 27 days. It has been very wild. How have you been handling a team like that? Because it has been a very, very good run for them and a not-so-great run for the likes of the Texas Rangers and the LA Angels in that division. Yep, and the Mariners are a team that I definitely got wrong when it was coming around that all-star break time. Obviously, at that, that point, their offense had kind of been in the middle, if not in the bottom 10 of the entire league. And then all of a sudden, you know, the bats that we knew are going to potentially show up up down the stretch did show up down the stretch and then some, you know, so many guys that they brought in, whether it was the bottom of the lineup or guys they acquired via trade, they're coming in and they're making an impact. And although the pitching, you know, has taken maybe a step back from George Kirby, you know, throwing shutout after shutout after shutout, and same with Luis Castillo, those are still bona fide top end rotation guys, and they are performing well enough to give this Mariners offense and this whole team a serious lift. And they look like the most complete team in the AL West right now. Yeah, they certainly do. And how much, because I know that we've talked about this a few times, how much when it comes to both a game-to-game perspective, along with just a features perspective, do you want to be able to take a look at a team schedule? Because with the Seattle Mariners, they have been doing it against, let's call it what it is, lesser competition. Like right now in this series that they've got this week, they're playing against the Oakland A's. Prior to that, to their last four series game against the Kansas City Royals, which I do think is a little bit of an angle as well, because when you, as they always like to say with regards to a basketball perspective, you see one go through the hoop that could give you some confidence. You get win after win strung together, whether that is against the Astros, whether that's against the Rangers, or if it is against the Kansas City Royals. I do feel like it's a little bit of a confidence booster, and these are teams that you don't want to be like going way out there on an island with regards to handicapping of them, but I do think that it is worth something when you do have a team like the Seattle Mariners that they do get hot because it feels like they can manifest that into a bit more of a run. 100% agree, and also something with baseball, and this is just a a kind of a general concept that I believe in, is that baseball is the streakiest sport out there. I mean, you see 162 regular season games, and you even look at the Rangers and who they've played in the last six or seven series, there's not a lot of crazy great teams that the Rangers are playing, yet they're 1-9 over their last 10 They've been in a free fall. Their offense isn't playing well. And it's just one of those things where, yeah, you can look at the schedule and you can definitely factor that in. There's going to be teams that are just bad, like the A's, like the Rockies, the Royals, the White Sox. But at the same time, you kind of got to look at how a team's performing and say, you know what? There's not that much amazing pitching talent out there that we've seen over the past decade or so. If an offense is humming, it's probably going to continue to hum. And if a pitching rotation is playing pretty well, maybe you can't bank on that down the stretch necessarily, but it's that additional lift that you're getting when the offense is performing like the Mariners here. Yeah, it has been really firing in all cylinders and Julio Rodriguez, and he is as hot as lava right now as a man that might be equally as hot. Rob Donaldson is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And with regards to the Seattle Manors and the Oakland A's series, that has been one that has been interesting to say the least throughout the entirety of the season as of right now. Taking a look at the game that we're going to be getting for Tuesday, we've got the Seattle Mariners as minus $3 favorites. And this is something that we're going to see more and more of towards the back half of the season. We're going to get those September call-ups within the next few days. And how do you just handle money line situations like this in terms of Mariners versus the Oakland A's with Ken Waldachuk going? Because I, and I think that these games are just unplayable on the money line unless if you find yourself with a underdog that you really, really like. And 
from my perspective, I am not going to be able to get there with Ken Waldachuk on the money line. How do you play very strange, harebrained games like this with the Seattle Mariners, who, as we do this right now, are very nearly $3 favorites? Yeah, and I absolutely can't get there with Waldachuk either in, in any capacity. When you kind of look at those lines where you are seeing a minus 300 or even a north of minus 200 favorite, I really do look at those lines and try to decipher them and see, you know, why is the line sitting there? Is it just because, you know, one team is really bad and one team is really good? Or is there potentially, you know, offense projected on the Mariner side of things? And for that, when you look at the total of over seven and a half, that's intriguing to me in at least a little bit. Because, again, like we kind of mentioned earlier, at least I mentioned earlier, George Kirby has been getting tagged a little bit more than usual. And even if the A's can maybe rattle off two, three through seven innings, I think the Mariners offense can get you the rest of the way on that total. But maybe even you look at a Mariners team total over at, at a reasonable price of four and a half or five. I really do think you can find a lot of value in finding the deeper hidden lines and what's rather on the surface there. Yep, and rather than a team like the Atlanta Braves, where even if you want to back them on the road on the run line against the Colorado Rockies on Tuesday, at the very least, with regards to the Seattle Mariners in this sort of an ordeal, you're going to find a little bit more of a reasonable money line. I'm finding that between minus 125 to a minus 135. And I know that there's a lot of people that do have trepidations with laying a run line at home. Personally, I'm willing to do it with certain situations and certain teams that this is one that I'd be willing to do so as well. So it is a very interesting ordeal when you get these harebrained games like we are going to be finding on Tuesday with that regard. And also, I mean, like I was mentioning with the Atlanta Braves, they're a very demonstrative favorite as well. They're right around minus 250 to minus 260 on the road with Charlie Bourne going up against Peter Lambert. I'm not trying to take a look at the Atlanta Braves, but I think that they are fully worth being this sort of a favorite. But once again, this is a spot where even with the run line, you'd have to lay a minus 160. And these are games as well that it feels like it might actually be even more difficult when the road team is a favorite like this because that run line is even more tax. Yeah, even more tax is right because I'm looking at minus one and a half and I'm seeing minus 160 and above. I mean, this is one of those things where you just have to evaluate, you know, how many runs can I reasonably project from the Rockies lineup here? And I do think Charlie Morton is tappable in this one in terms of just giving up a few or a handful of runs. But man, I mean... This is a boatload we're talking about, and a lot of that we're really banking on the Braves' offense for. It's a definite stay away for me, especially with the total of 12. But I wouldn't even entertain a Rockies line here just because of how putrid their offense has been and how bad Peter Lambert has been. And then on the other side, Charlie Morton gives up four runs. You're probably out of a run line situation as well or or kind of teetering around a minus two, minus two and a half. Just not an intriguing spot for me to bet on. It's a rough ordeal, and I mean, if I had to take one side right now, I'd be looking at the Atlanta Braves on that run line, but it's not something where it's like, oh, yeah, there's your stone-cold lead pike <laughs> lock of the century. Lay a minus 160 on a run line of the Atlanta Braves <laughs> against the Colorado Rockies. There are going to be plenty of other games on the board, to say the least, that's joining me on the show. We do have Rob Donaldson. He does tremendous work handicapping the great game of baseball, and I know that we're two guys that we enjoy the NL Central, and This one is going to be much easier to be able to bet on. There's a much more easy way to be able to take a look at a side and a total here as we've got the Brewers and the Chicago Cubs. Justin Seals going for the Cubs. Corbin Burns is on the bump for the Brewers. And most places do not have a total up on this game because that's going to be based on the Wrigley Field win. But at last check, it looks like the wind is going to be blowing in and and north of 10 miles per hour. So very good conditions for pitching. And with the Cubs, they're right around a minus 130 favorite. 
how do you evaluate this sort of a game? Because I always find Corbin Burns to be an interesting pitcher and that he's always pitched better when he has been on the road rather than when he's been at home. Yeah, this is just one, a a really fun matchup if you're a fan of baseball because there is so much on the line here. I mean, this could be really the division playing out in front of us during this series. Uh, Obviously tonight, tomorrow, and, and and then on. And when you look at Justin Steele and Corbin Burns, these are their guys. You know, these are the guys that in a, in a win-off type of situation, you know, these are the pitchers you'd be seeing. And for that reason, I really do think these two guys are going to understand the gravity of the moment. And at least through the first half of this ball game, I think we're going to see a really low-scoring affair. Well, now, once the bullpens kick in, and, and both of these offenses have actually put in putting up a lot of runs as well, maybe the floodgates start to open late, but... I would really cut this game in half, look at the first five, maybe in the first three innings and say, I'm going to blindly take the under because I really do think there's going to be some really good value there. And I will say with the Brewers, they've actually done quite a nice job with their bullpen as well. Abner Uribe is someone that I think has been very impressive. And if you're able to get the ball to Devin Williams, he's blown a few games this year, but all in all, he's been a guy that has been very trustworthy in a year where there's not been a lot of trustworthy bullpens. And how have you been sort of, trying to mitigate that because I do think that there are a few bullpens that you're able to bank on like prior to Felix Batista going down with an injury the Baltimore Orioles were one of those teams that I would always feel better about taking them a little bit more on a full game rather than a first five because you knew that you would have if you had a lead in the eighth and ninth inning probably a win in the bank with them now that is very much in question and I do think that it is a case where there are some bullpens that you want to try to be able to put yourself on the side of, like I was mentioning with the Orioles, and at the same time, teams like the Washington Nationals, even though they are playing very good baseball right now, the Colorado Rockies, you go down the list, those are bullpens where I feel like you fully do want to fade. Oh, 100%, especially post-trade deadline where some of these teams really sold off their entire bullpen, and we're seeing it play out with the White Sox and, oh. and with the Cardinals, with the Angels even, with um, with them actually retaining their pieces, have just absolutely fallen off a cliff. And then the Royals, the Rockies, the A's, all of these teams who really just sold off all their bullpen members are the worst since the trade deadline. And because of that, it's really tough to take those teams on a full game money line. You really have to kind of cut the game down in half or just take a full game over and maybe bank on those bullpens kind of faltering. But when you look at a team like the Tigers or maybe even like the Nationals a little bit as well, I do think they retained enough bullpen pieces and we're starting to see some guys emerge out of that Nats bullpen. So you really got to monitor usage with these teams that maybe only have two or three guys who are reliable. But on those days when those guys can be in play, I really do think there's an angle in taking the under in those certain spots. And as I like to call it with the Nationals, it's been a survival of the fittest with the bullpen as the guys that have been <laughs> able to get out have stayed. The guys that have not been able to, they have been eliminated. <laughs> like we are no longer seeing Amos Willingham and his ADRA. Meanwhile, Hunter Harvey has been allowed to stay. So that has been something that has been intriguing to take a look at as Rob Donaldson he does great work over at the Rob's Best Bets show. Is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And I think that this is intriguing as well because you were talking about baseball being such a streaky sport. How do you take a look at a team like the Boston Red Sox that if you were taking a look at closing numbers on totals with the Red Sox going into Monday, I believe that each of their last 11 games and went over the total. Maybe there was an under along the way, but from my count, there was 11 straight overs with the Boston Red Sox. We're now finding a total of 10 shaded up to the over between J.P. France and Brian Bayo going in this one for Tuesday. We do not know if the over hit or not in Monday as we record this, but how do you take a look at a team like the Boston Red Sox that 
may have been hitting overs like wildfire because I think there's two approaches to take. One, they are very streaky with the offense that it maintains. And two, what comes up must come down. Absolutely agree because over the last 15 games, this is the top five offense in all of baseball. And the Astros are sitting two runs underneath their total over the last 15 games as well. So you're looking at two teams that can definitely put up runs. I'm torn in this matchup because Brian Bayo has been my favorite back all season long. This guy has carried so much water for me in terms of just making me money and doesn't look like he's poised to slow down at any point either. He really hasn't had any bad advanced numbers or on the surface numbers all season long. And so when you are seeing a number like a minus 118 or a minus 115 on the Red Sox money line, I think you have to go for it, especially against JP France, who has had a lot of volatility this season and especially coming off his worst start of the year, just kind of a mental hurdle to see if he can get over it. And for that reason, I like a money line. I like a run line. I really like the Red Sox just in general. Yep. And I am in full agreement there just because with JP France, This guy has been overdue for regression, in my opinion, and it feels like it is finally starting to come. And is there anything else that has really been standing out to you on the board for Tuesday as we do this show? Because we do have a lot of set starters for Tuesday, which is very nice. And we've got ourselves a very full board and a lot of interesting games. So anything else that's really standing out to you? Yeah, I definitely look at that Yankees-Tigers game. And the fact that you're catching the Tigers with a pretty good line here with Tariq Skubal on the bump, I really do think this guy is going to be one of the emerging stars in this sport. And I know a lot of Yankees fans have been clamoring for Michael Kane to become a part of the rotation guy, especially when they're seeing guys like Johnny Brito go out there and pitch three innings and give up seven earned. But man, Michael King under the hood has kind of looked rough over the last five outings. And when you look at Tariq Skubal in this Tigers lineup, I really do think they can put up a lot of runs here. So I would take them on the money line and I would take them on the run line all the way up to minus two. It has been so interesting to take a look at them all season long as we've got a lot of volatility going in baseball. We were talking about throughout the show, a lot of streakiness, both to the good and to the bad, but we are always on a hot streak when we've got you on the show, Rob, because you do a great job with your picks. You do a great job breaking down this game that we all know and love. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, the best way to keep in touch with what I'm doing is just to follow me on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it <laughs> at Rob DFB. From there, you can find my the podcast that I do with Greg or with Adam or my YouTube channel where I post my my, my videos or I try to do them daily. Greg, I always want to th- thank you for having me on. It's great to talk ball with you. And we got a fun little next month or so left to play here. <laughs> Oh, we certainly do have a fun next month plus of the regular season. And we get playoff baseball, and there are a few things quite like playoff baseball. I am certainly here for that, and I am always certainly here to talk with our good friend Rob Donaldson. He does such an amazing job taking a look at this game. Big thanks to him for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this Baseball Tuesday as we touch them all. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Everybody here love you, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Always great to be joined by Rob Donaldson. He does great work with the No Name Baseball Podcast and the Rob's Best Best Show, which you're able to find on his YouTube feed, youtube.com slash Rob Donaldson. He does a tremendous job. Take a look at the game of baseball. I know that he is set for some football, much like myself, and is always in college basketball mode, much like myself as well. So, always a pleasure to be able to get Rob aboard. Big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this Baseball Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore 81, and we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games. Any interleague games, those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice and clean and easy. So, without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 951-952 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals playing with the Slam Diego Padres. Seth Lugo goes for the pods, and Zach Thompson is on the bump for the Cardinals. Cardinals find themselves as home underdogs. Anywhere between plus 120 and plus 136, minus 140 to minus 148 is the number on the pods. Nine is the total. Over is between minus 115 to a minus 125. The under same between minus 105 to a plus 105. And if you're looking at that Padres run line right now, I'm finding that at DraftKings at a plus 120. Really, the lone number that I'm seeing. But out of everything I'm seeing right now, I will be willing to take that plus price on that run line. I need at least a plus 113. And set the money line more around a minus 146 with Seth Lugo. He has been a little bit of an up and down pitcher this year. But you do know that the command is going to be there with him as he's been issuing only about two walks per nine innings and he's still done a solid job getting strikeouts just under nine strikeouts per nine innings so nothing amazing nothing terrible and he gets to go up against a lineup in the St. Louis Cardinals that has been missing a few pieces. Lars Newpar being out of the fold that does hurt them. Good news is they do get back Nolan Gorman so you got the two Nolans and Arenado and Gorman combining for about 50 home runs. Both of these guys they will give you about a 325 on base, but Bond the Fold has been earning this team a little bit when you have Austin Kniser out there. He's been okay at the catcher spot, but Wilson Kudaris has been a little bit more consistent at being able to get on base, especially the latter part of the season. Tyler O'Neill, Tommy Edmond, both hitting about 240 in the outfield. That's been a little bit shaky. And Jordan Walker, he has really fallen off recently, hitting about a 213 over the last three days. So that's been rough. And for the San Diego Padres, Ever since they picked up Garrett Cooper at the trade deadline, the bottom of the fold has been better. You sometimes do have likes of Matt Carpenter, Trent Grisham, Gary Sanchez hitting below 215 at the bottom of the fold, but with some like a Cooper giving you 14 home runs, about a 260 average at Vegas. He, Fernando Tatis Jr., Sandra Bogarts, and Juan Soto. All were in the starting lineup yesterday, and all were hitting between about 262 261. Obviously, Soto's on base percentage is a little bit more demonstrative, and he has been able to give you those 25 home runs, but very equal there. And I will say for one, Soto struggling recently over the last three weeks, hitting below the middle 
Coastline of 200. So that's a little bit of an issue. You've got Austin Kemp, who post All-Star break has been hitting right around 300. He has been incredible. He's one of the top players with regards to war and all baseline. For the Padres, they've been able to pick it up a little bit with their bullpen recently as in the middle of June into early July. It was a little bit rough, and you still do have someone like Nick Martinez giving you about a 4 ERA, but been very impressed by Tom Cosgrove, Buck 63 ERA. Obviously, Josh Hader is a good deodorant for any stink of any bullpen, and they've been dealing with the injuries to guys like a Domingo Tapia and things like this, but they've been able to mix and match, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, they don't have a single main bullpen piece that gives you a sub-3-5 ERA. Jojo Romero, Giovanni Gallegos, both of these guys are hovering right in that neighborhood about a 3-5 ERA. And then you've got the likes of Andre Pallanti, Drew Verhagen, guys of this ilk that are giving you just below 5 ERA. So it has been rough on that front. I do think that with Seth Lugo and the way that he's been able to pitch on the road, it is going to be very big in this spot because when it comes to Zach Thompson, he's actually been relatively okay thus far for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's allowing a home run per nine innings, giving up a little bit north of three walks per nine innings. It's could have been a good swing and miss guy, but you do have to wonder if that is going to translate to him being in a starter's role as typically he's coming out of the bullpen. You're able to give it a little bit more of everything that you've got when you are coming out of the bullpen rather than being a starter. Meanwhile, for Lugo, 330 road ERA compared to a 415 home ERA despite pitching in San Diego. So this is a spot where I'm willing to lay the one and a half with the Padres need at least a plus 115. And here to nine, looking at the over, so I might tell it at a 9.3, 953, 954 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers. They are on the road. They are facing off against the Chicago Cubs. Corbin Burns goes for the Brew Crew and Justin Steele, the man of seals, on the bump for the Cubs. Cubs open up anywhere between about a minus 125 to a minus 130 favorite, plus 110 to a plus 120 is your number on the Brewers. Right now seeing an initial total of 8 under a minus 120 and the over is at even. If you're taking a look at the wind right now, it's going to be blowing in and it's going to be blowing in heavily. I set my total at 7.1, so if that 8 is there all across the board, when this is posted up in the AM, as most books wait on these Wrigley Field totals until the AM, I am certainly going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. I would need anything above a 7 to be able to dive in on the under. Meanwhile, I'm going to be taking a shot on Corbin Burns at a plus 108 or better. With Corbin Burns, he's always been a better road pitcher than he has been a home pitcher. Big reason why is that American Family Field just as a ballpark where he gives up a lot of home runs. We've seen that this year. On the road, he's given up about 0.83 home runs per nine innings at home. His home runs per nine rate is right around about a 1.3 to a 1.4. So that's been a little bit of an issue now. Corbin Burns coming off of a start against the Minnesota Twins where he probably costed himself the Cy Young Award. Gave up six runs in six innings. That'll probably knock him out of the race. So that's a little bit unfortunate. But all in all, Corbin Burns has been very good on the road as compared to at home. Road ERA of a 308-435 home ERA. Meanwhile, for Justin Seal, this guy is good all over the place. 265 home ERA, 3 ERA on the road, 10-2 and two in his 14 starts at home, giving up just 5 home runs in 78 innings in Wrigley Field. And it's going to be hard for either team to be able to crank one out with the way that the wind is going to be blowing in in this one. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, they are last in the National League with regards to batting average. You just need guys to be able to pick it up. Willie Adamas, along with Bryce Terang, Tyrone Taylor, Rowdy Tellez, guys like this. And you had 225 or lower. Joey Weimer when he's been out there, but I believe he's dealing with an injury. You've got Carlos Santana dealing with an injury. These guys, they just need to move the line a little bit more now. Sal Freelick, not aiming for a great average, but north of a 350 on base. At the top, William Contreras along with Christian Yelich have been able to combine for 30 home runs. Both of these guys hitting that pocket about a 280, which is nice, but the Brewers are going to have the leg up with the Cubs with regards to the bullpen, but the Cubs, they do have the upper hand with regards to their lineup as they've got four separate guys 
with between 19 and 20 home runs. Actually, five separate guys. Patrick Wisdom, Jameer Candelario, Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, Christopher Morrell, all in that fold. Now, Wisdom is typically the only guy in the starting lineup with a sub-305 on base whenever he starts. And when he doesn't start, you typically have all nine guys giving you at least a 305 on base, typically eight guys with worth of a 315 on base. Just everyone moves the line. Jan Gomes, Candelario, Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner, all in between about a 265 to 280. You don't necessarily have that one demonstrative guy, though obviously Cody Bellinger hitting a 320 for the year has been incredible post-All-Star break. He has really been able to come into his own. It's cooled down just a little bit recently over the last three or so weeks. He's been more of a just average hitter with regards to Cubs standards, but that's still pretty stinking good. But we have seen that just absolute dynamite just cool down a little bit. But all in all, the Cubs have been able to do a solid job on this front. What they do have to overcome, though, is a Brewers bullpen that has been second in the National League with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break. As you've got Hobie Milner, Joe Piams, along with Abner Uribe and the closer in Devin Williams, all supplying a sub-2-3 ERA. And for the Cubs, now they have to place Michael Fulmer on the injured list. Been able to have Adbear Alsley do a very solid job, but you do have your ups and downs with guys like Julian Merriweather and company. And I do think that Corbin Burns is going to be able to hang right in there with Justin Seal and being able to get a plus price. I'm going to be looking there. So I'm going to add the Brewers at a plus 108 or greater. And then, as I was mentioning with this total, anything above a 7, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the under 955, 956 on the main board. The Atlanta Braves at the road to face off against the Colorado Rockies. Peter Lambert goes for Colorado, and Charlie Morton is on the bump for the Bravos and the Braves. Our big favorites, eh? Between minus 244 to a minus 258, between plus 210 and plus 225. Your number on Colorado. 12 is the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. You're looking to lay a run and half with the Atlanta Braves. You're going to need to lay between minus 160 to a minus 165 to be able to do so. And this is a case where I made the Braves a minus 243 on the money line. On the run line, I'm willing to go up to a minus 165. I don't want to be going any further than a minus 165. This is just a rough situation. With Peter Lambert, he's better than when he got trotted up there to the big leagues a few seasons ago. He's now getting a little bit closer to seven strikeouts per nine innings, but clearly still a big-time work in progress for the Colorado Rockies. As he's posting up an ERA that's right around 492 and a 530 field. He depended giving up 1.8 home runs per nine innings at now it's a pitch at elevation against an Atlanta Braves team that they lead the National League in runs per game, home runs per game, and on-base percentage. This is a very fearsome lineup that he's going to have his hands full with as you've got five different guys from the Atlanta Braves with at least 28 home runs. He catches a little bit of a break in that Aussie Albies has been dealing with an injury, but looks like he's going to be back in the fold for this one, so that's not great to say the least. You've seen Matt Olson cool down just a little bit, but still 43 home runs, 112 RBI. Leading the National League in both categories and even the non-home run hitters like Orlando Arcia, Michael Harris the second. Both of these guys still give you a double figure amount of formers and they still at north of a 275. Meanwhile for the Colorado Rockies, you've gotten a little bit more of some of these younger guys. Nolan Jones along with Ezekiel Tovar, Lysia sitting between about a 260 to a 280. 13 to 15 home runs apiece. That's what you like to see but they're trotting out there like Brendan Rodgers, who has never panned out as a prospect. Hunter Goodman got a start yesterday. You've got a lot of guys that they're trying to mix and match with. Good news is they do get Charlie Blackman back in the fold, but oh no, this is a relatively rough lineup. And for the Colorado Rockies, this bullpen has just went completely down the toilet bowl. As you take a look at what the Colorado Rockies have done in terms of their bullpen since August 1st, 
They've got an ERA of 707. That's nearly a full point clear of the LA Angels, and we know the LA Angels struggles. I mean, for Daniel Bard, post-All-Star break, he has been the biggest gas can, perhaps, in all of baseball. You have not been able to get the production out of Brent Suter, Justin Lawrence, like you were able to at the beginning part of the season. You had quite a few guys with a sub-3 ERA. That is went completely down the drain. And on the other side, you've got an Atlanta Braves team that have been second with regards to bullpen ERA since the beginning of the month of May with Kirby Yates, Michael Tonkin, Joe Jimenez being able to supply a sub-3-5 ERA, Rossi Iglesias being able to close out games, and for Charlie Morton, he's been able to do a very rock-solid job for this team last few seasons in terms of being able to get strikeouts to command. Has been a little bit spotty. That has been the case. Once again this year, he is still giving out in the neighborhood about four walks per nine innings, but strikeouts continue to be there, and he's been a relatively solid pitcher on the road. 323 home ERA, 353 ERA on the road, and has given up two home runs in 66 and a third innings. I would say that there should be a little bit of regression on that front, but for Charlie Morton, despite the fact that he's 3-2 and two in his last five starts, he has still been very rock-solid in this time span, giving up eight runs over the course of his last five starts, and as a matter of fact, his last two starts, 13 scoreless innings, going up against the Colorado Rockies team that they're averaging far fewer runs per game at home this year than they have in past years. Now, they've actually averaged a few more runs on the road this year than they have last season as well, but that's it. For the Colorado Rockies, they're averaging about 5.1 to 5.2 runs per contest at home, which for most average teams, that's rock solid, but considering they're playing at elevation and they got more like 5.6 runs per game last season, that's a bit of an issue. So this is a spot where I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 165 on this Braves run line, obviously. This is a rough ordeal, to say the least, with regards to this game. And at a 12, looking at the total, set my total at 12.1. 957, 958 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants play the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati and... They are on to Brandon Williamson getting the start, and Alex Cobb goes for the Giants, and the Giants find themselves as favorites, heading between minus 155 to a minus 162, between a plus 136 and plus 147, your number on the Reds, 8 to 8 and a half is the total on the 8, over is minus 120, the under is even on the 8 and a half, over and under, any between minus 105 to a minus 115 for the Giants, set them on the money line at a minus 152, if you're taking a look at the run line, you're going to be finding that in between about a plus 120 to a plus 130. If I could get closer to a plus 135, I'd be willing to dive in here. Or if I'm able to get more like a plus 152 on Brandon Williamson as well. So right now this is a little bit of a wait and see. Whatever way we find the line moving is where I'm going to be falling on this game. Because with regards to the San Francisco Giants, I'm seeing a minus 155 as well. So I'm about... Three to five cents away from firing in on one side or the other. With Alex Cobb, I do have to keep in mind that this guy is so much better at home rather than on the road. Part of that is because Oracle Park is one of the most notorious pitchers' parks. They're going to find in the big leagues, especially in the National League. As for Alex Cobb, 498 road ERA, 225 home ERA. At home, he is giving up about one home run every 12 or so innings, .8 home runs per nine innings overall for the season. While at home, also giving up about two walks. For nine innings. Meanwhile, for Brandon Williamson, he's been able to pull things together a little bit more recently. For Williamson, last three starts has given up a grand total of five runs. And has done a little bit of a better job keeping the ball in the yard, especially when he's been on the road. We do notice this with quite a few Reds pitchers. They do a better job of mitigating the yard contact when they are on the road, and that's been the case for Williamson. 4.24 home ERA compared to a 4.10 ERA on the road. Now, overall for the season, giving up 1.4 home runs per nine innings, but on the road, it's more like 0.9 home runs per nine innings. 
Williamson still not much of a strikeout guy. The fielding independent is far above his 418 ERA, so you do have a little bit of trepidation there. But speaking of trepidation, you got to have that with the San Francisco Giants lineup as well. They were able to emerge on Sunday Night Baseball, but ever since the All-Star break, it has been pretty deplorable with regards to this lineup going into Monday night, hitting a 218 as a collective. And Wilmer Flores supplying 11 home runs post-All-Star break has been tremendous. Nobody else in this lineup north of four home runs says since the All-Star break, we have seen the likes of Lamonte Wade Jr., Patrick Bailey, J.D. Davis, Austin Slater. These guys all hitting below a 215. Casey Schmidt, post-All-Star break, hitting below a 135. It has been rough to say least. And the Cincinnati Reds, they're dealing with their ailments as well. Having out the full Joy Votto, along with Matt McClain, Jake Fraley. That is really starting to take a toll on the Cincinnati Reds team as well. You still have Spencer Steer, who's able to steer the ship. He's been able to give the team 18 home runs, north of a 360 on base, and Fraley De La Cruz. He makes the amazing plays. He doesn't necessarily make the routine plays, though. So that's a bit of an issue. And now they're having to throw out their guys like Luke Mele for a few more at-bats. They've been looking to someone like a Novelli Marte, who's a young 21-year-old, but probably being thrust into these spots a little bit too soon. And the Giants, they do have the better bullpen in this situation as well. As for the San Francisco Giants, number one in the big leagues with regards to bullpen area ever since the beginning of the month of May. Both of the Rodgers brothers, Camilio Duvall, Ryan Walker, Luke Jackson, guys like this, they have been able to supply a sub-3-5 ERA. Scott Alexander, when he's not an opener, has a sub-3-5 ERA. When he's been an opener, it balloons to north of 7. So that's been a little bit of an interesting situation. But with regards to the flip side for the Cincinnati Reds, it's a decent bullpen. Alexis Diaz has been able to do a nice job in the closers role. He's able to give you a sub-250 ERA. And then the guys getting him the ball, Alex Young, along with Ian Gabo, guys of this ilk, they've been okay. It's been a relatively average Cincinnati Reds bullpen. So this is a spot where at a minus 152 or less, I'm going to be one. Take a shot on the Giants, plus 153 or higher. Looking at the Reds, a little bit of wait and see mode. In. Did something I told us 7.6 with the ailments on the Reds side. And the Giants just not hitting in general post-All-Star break, along with being in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. So I'm going to add the under to go along with a little bit of a TBD side. Whoever I'm able to get right around that minus 152 mark on. 9.59, 9.60 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing us to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Merrill Kelly goes for the Sinks and Clayton Kershaw's on the bump for the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are favorites between minus 185 to minus 198. Between plus 164 to a plus 175 is your number on the Saints. Eight and a half is the total. The under is between minus 110 to a minus 115. And the over is between minus 105 to a minus 110. I needed at least a plus 225 to take a shot on the Diamondbacks. Clayton Kershaw has been so dominant at home this year. And if it wasn't for the fact that Clayton Kershaw had a little bit of sin on the injured list, I would argue that he deserves a Cy Young. And honestly, if they want to try to give him the Cy Young, if he stays healthy the rest of the season, I would not have too many gripes with that. Buck 72 home here. He has given up the deep ball a little bit at home. He has given up right around 1.4 home runs for 9.90. So that's been a tad bit of an issue. But overall, the command has been very good for Clayton Kershaw, giving up about 2.4 walks per nine innings. The fielding independent is above its 252 ERA, but still is mowing them down, getting just under 10 strikeouts per nine innings. I love what I've seen out of him. And for Merrill Kelly, it does feel like he's been walking on eggshells just a little bit recently as the walks, they have been high for him. Now, I will say, for Merrill Kelly, I've been thoroughly impressed by the way that he has come off the injury list. As coming off the injury list, he has given up three runs or fewer in every one of his six starts. So 
He's been able to do a tremendous job being able to get back into the flow, but 2.97 ERA compared to a 3.92 fielding dependent, giving up those 3.2 blocks per nine innings. A little bit of question mark, and been interesting to look at the home and road splits of Merrill Kelly. Throughout his career, he's always been a pitcher that has had an ERA about a point higher on the road rather than at home. Very equal this year. 2.96 home ERA, 2.98 ERA on the road. On the road, he's given up a bit more hard contact, though, giving up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. And You've always had your trepidation with Merrill Kelly going up against the LA Dodgers until this year. For Kelly, he's actually been very good against the Dodgers. Four runs, two of which earned, give it up in three starts against them this season. I do think that this Dodgers team is going to be able to catch up with them, though. This is a Dodgers bunch that, despite the fact that they're a pretty league average team with regards to their batting average, they do such a good job getting on base. Number one with regards to walks drawn on a prep at basis like you take a look at Max Muncy, for example. 30 home runs. He's hitting at 200, but that on-base percentage, it's more around about a 325. Mookie Betts, 315 average, north of 400 on base. 35 home runs. Freddie Freeman, north of a 400 on base. 23 home runs. They have a deal with ailments to J.D. Martinez recently, but all in all, they've been able to do a very solid job with that regard. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you've got a big four for this team. Lourdes Gurriel, Quintel Marte, Corbin Carroll, along with Christian Walker, at least 20 home runs. Walker has been able to supply 28 bombs, hitting about a 270. The other three guys between 20 and 22 home runs with Marte and Carroll. Both giving you about a 350 on base, but it is the bottom of the fold. That does hurt you a little bit. Geraldo Perdomo just hasn't been the guy that he was towards the beginning part of the season. He's been providing about a 236 average over the last three days. Jace Peterson is not giving you a lot. I like what Tommy Pham has been able to do, but also with the years on the Diamondbacks, Bottom five team with regards to bullpen ERA post all-star break. It has been north of a five, and it has been pretty ghastly as Miguel Castro is up to north of a five ERA. Scott Mago has been going up with regards to his ERA. Have not been able to get a lot out of these ancillary pieces as well. Paul Seawalt, since he's come over from the Seattle Mariners in a Diamondbacks uniform, north of a 4-6 ERA. And for the LA Dodgers, they've had the best bullpen in terms of ERA post all-star break in the big leagues. As you've got a big three with the team of Bruce Arderall, Evan Phillips, and Caleb Ferguson being able to supply a sub-3 ERA. But on top of that, you've been able to get really good innings ever since he's come over in Ryan Brazier, giving you about a 1 ERA. You've been able to get a little bit more recently out of some of these guys that were cast-offs as well. Victor Gonzalez is back in the fold. He's looked relatively solid since his return. So, all in all, I do like the way that the bullpen has been able to come to the forefront as well. I do think that the Dodgers, they just have a deeper lineup. They do a good job of being able to find a way on base. With their depth, they're able to do a nice job platooning against righties and lefties. And I think that Clayton Kershaw is going to cool down what has been a hot snake team that entered into the series having won, I believe, 10 out of their last 12 games. So, a circumstance where I'm going to be trusting in the Dodgers on the run line. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 115, getting this at a plus 105. I believe that all but 30 wins for the Dodgers over the last two seasons have been my multiple runs, so going to be trusting in that. Did semi tell it at 8.7. I do think that the Diamondbacks get a few runs off of Kershaw as he's been giving up the deep ball a little bit, so looking at the over and the run line of the Dodgers. 961-962 on the betting board. It is the New York Yankees on the road facing off against the Detroit Tigers. Tariq Skubal goes for the Tigers, and Michael King, the King, gets the start for the Yankees. And with the Yankees, they are underdogs of plus 105. Meanwhile, minus 115 to minus 125. Your number on Detroit, 8.5 is the total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. And with the Tigers, I set them at a minus 144. This is not something that I thought I'd be doing, but you know what? Here we are. And with Tariq Skubal, He's been able to do a nice job since coming off the endless A406 ERA, but a buck 92 fielding independent. He has allowed one home run in 44 and a third innings. 
10.2 strikeouts and 1.6 walks per nine innings. And he has been absolutely incredible at home as he has allowed four runs at home and I believe four home starts thus far this season. So he's done a great job when he has been in Detroit. And for the Yankees, I'm thinking this is a piggyback spot as Michael King, they're looking to stretch out a little bit more. He's been able to give them two plus innings in four out of his last five appearances. I think that they're going to try to perhaps get four innings out of him before they turn the reins over to Mr. Johnny Brito. And for King, when he's been coming out of the bullpen, he's been able to do a very fine job. He's posting up a 3-1-3 ERA. He's not allowing the deep ball too much. You can tell that Michael King is a little bit of a fish out of water when they do try to trot him out there in a starter's role. And I do think that that is always something that you do want to be taking a look at when these guys do get stretched out. We saw like Ranger Suarez a few seasons ago with the Philadelphia Phillies. He did a great job of making that leap, but those are very few and far between as you take a look at his role in his two starts for Michael King. He's been posting up more around at 386 ERA, and when he's been sort of a bulk guy as well, it's been a little bit more rough for him rather than when he's been that guy to get you like five outs, I would say two innings or fewer. He's a little bit of a different pitcher. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, it is a bullpen in which their numbers are jacked up thanks to giving up 17 runs on Sunday against the Houston Astros. As if you take a look at the entirety of the campaign, the Yankees, they do have the advantage with regards to a bullpen. They are still number one in the big leagues with regards to bullpen. Anyway, the likes of Tommy Canely, Wandy Peralta, Clay Holmes, they've had their ups and downs recently, but still giving you a sub-3-5 ERA. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, they have fallen to 20th in the league with regards to bullpen. Anyway, Andrew Vasquez has not been the guy that he was with the Philadelphia Phillies. So, you've been able to have Tyler Holton, that launch Jason Foley, give you a sub-3-5 ERA. And we'll say for the Detroit Tigers, the offense has been able to pick it up a little bit more specifically. Two guys, Spencer Torkelson, Gary Carpenter, a combined 43 home runs between these two gentlemen. Carpenter, along with Riley Green, are both hitting in the neighbor about a 290. You do need a few other guys to be able to move line, though, as Akil Badu, Zach Short, Javi Baez, Jake Rogers, Nick Maton. These are guys earning at 223 or lower with not a lot of on base percentage. And you've seen Parker Meadows. Have a nice little run with the uh, Tigers. We need to see if that's going to be long-lasting. Meanwhile, for the Yankees, ever since Aaron Judge went down with that injury on June 4th, which was the first game that they played without him against the LA Dodgers, the team has been dead last in the big leagues with regards to overall batting average, and they've been a bottom-five team with regards to runs per game. As entering into the series, you saw Jake Bowers, Oswaldo Cabrera, Anthony Volpe, Gregory Allen, Ben Roadfit, Oswaldo Peraza, John Carlos Sand, all hitting at 218 or lower with Allen, being the lone guy giving you north of a 295 on base. That is not good. Now, there is power with this lineup as Volpe, John Carlos Stanton, obviously Aaron Judge, Gleyber Torres have all been able to give you at least 18 home runs, but teams have found out, oh, if we just walk Aaron Judge and we try to have everyone else try to beat us, guess what? Nobody else has been able to beat us, and we'll say for the Yankees, good news is Lee Severino looked much better yesterday to be able to help save quite a bit of that bullpen, but all in all, I do take a look at this ordeal, and I do think that the Detroit Tigers, they're going to be able to do a solid job. I still have my question marks with Johnny Brito as well, assuming that he is going to be a little bit of a bulk guy for the New York Yankees. He has just been all over the place this year, posting up a 5.37 ERA. The field independent is pretty much on par with that as for Mr. Brito, 
though he's been giving up north of 1.5 home runs per nine innings at high strikeout, guys. So a circumstance where I'm willing to lay up to a minus 144 on the Tigers' money line. Did sell my doll at 7.8. I think that both teams are going to have a struggle to score. So looking at the under to go along with the Tigers. 963-964 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles play the Chicago White Sox. Jesse Schultons goes for the Southsiders. And Dean Kramer is on the bump for Baltimore. And Baltimore is a favorite of between minus 212 to minus 230, plus 190 to plus 195. Your number on the... Southsiders with your total sitting at a 9 with the over at a minus 110 to a minus 115. The under at a minus 105 to a minus 110. Would have needed at least a plus 230 to be able to take a shot on the Chicago White Sox. And Jesse Schultz has been a little bit of a bright spot for the Chicago White Sox this season. I gotta wonder how long things are going to be able to maintain for him though as just has not been able to get a lot of swings and misses this season as he's getting around 6.5 strikeouts to 3 walks per 9 innings, and he is giving up 1.4 home runs per 9 innings, Well, he's got a 4.15 ERA, feeling independent, it's more around a 4.92, and he's given up 3 plus runs in each out of his last 4 starts, he's given up approximately 5 runs in each out of his last 2, and that came against the Rockies, granted, on the road, and the Oakland A's, so it has been rough with that regard, and he's backed up by a bullpen that's in the bottom 5 of the big leagues with regards to ERA, Sammy Peralta, Gregory Santos are really the lone two guys that have been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA in this bullpen as it has been very rough to try to get any innings whatsoever out of Darnie or anyone for the Chicago White Sox. Meanwhile, it is going to be a little bit more rough sledding moving forward for this Orioles bullpen with Felix Bautista being out of the fold as that really puts an imprint on this team. you got to expect Danny Columbus is going to need to pitch more innings for this team as he and Yanir Cano have both been able to give you a sub-3 year and a sub-2 for Cano, though. He's been acting up a little bit more recently, but all in all, he's done a solid job. I do like Jacob Webb in this bullpen as well, but D.L. Hall, Shintaro Fujinami, these are not necessarily guys that all us the confidence that for the Orioles, it's been really intriguing to watch the way that they've been able to piecemeal together offense as you've got a pair of guys in Gunnar Anderson, Anthony Santander, that have both been able to give you a combined 46 home runs entering in this series, both with a 326 on base, and that's the thing with the Orioles. They just don't have that one guy that is like some super duper amazing bat or anything like that, but just everyone does their job. Typically with the Orioles, they'll have Ali Rushman bat at the leadoff spot, hitting at 275 with a 366 on base, 16 home runs, and then from there, like guys 2 through 7, they all have an on base percentage that's right around like a 310 to a 335. Really nothing more, really nothing less. They're able to platoon a little bit with their home and road splits, depending upon the day. One day you'll throw out there like Jordan Westberg. The next day, Ramon Urias is going to be out there in the fold. So they've done a great job with that regard to Ryan Moncastle since coming off the injured list. Has been hitting darn near a 350. Meanwhile, for the Chicago White Sox, you don't have a single guy on the roster right now that has a north of 325 on base, really, other than Andrew Benintendi. Benintendi, 340 on base, as he, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, sitting between about a 265 to a 278 with Robert. He has been able to supply the boom, being able to give you north of 33 home runs as far this season, but like so, Gavin Sheets, along with Lurie Sosa, throwing their Oscar Colas, whoever in the heck they want playing at the catcher spot for Yasmani Grandal. These have been guys that have not been able to get on base. Yomakata and Tim Anderson are both hitting at 245 with a sub 290 on base. The team does not take their walk as they are second worst in the big leagues with regards to walks drawn on a per at bat and a per game basis. So it's been rough to say the least for the Chicago White Sox and for Dean Kramer 
it's not like he's been some sort of an amazing pitcher or anything like that, but he has been able to up and swing and miss stuff this season. He's up to right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. His biggest script tonight has been giving up the deep ball. For Kramer, he has been giving up about 1.6 home runs per nine innings, but last few starts, he's really been able to round into form as he has given up three runs or fewer at each out of his last five, two runs or fewer in three out of his last four, and has been able to do a little bit of a better job actually on the road than at home this year with a 377 road compared to a 472 home ERA, but much of his hot streak has actually been coming at home. So, interesting spot here. I do think that the Orioles are going to be able to knife into this White Sox bullpen and get to Schultons and continue that regression that we have been seeing with him. Set my total at 9.3, looking at the over. And with the Orioles, willing to lay the run line here right now. I'm seeing that right around a minus 110. I was willing to go up to a minus 122. So, we're that Orioles run line to go along with the over. 965, 966 on the bang board. Houston Astros are on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox as Brian Bayo goes for the Sox and J.P. France is on the bump for Houston and Houston is a slight underdog. You're getting them between minus 102 to a plus 113. Meanwhile, between minus 118 to a minus 123 is your number on Boston. 10 is the total. The over is minus 120. The under, that is even. And with Boston, I did set them as a favorite of minus 126. Wouldn't want to be laying much more than what we're seeing right now, but I'm going to lay up to a minus 125 with the Boston Red Sox. Brian Bayo has been really the... Uh, Fenway whisper thus far this season as he's got some pretty big home and road splits. He's been utilizing that changeup to be able to induce a lot of soft contact as for Bayo at home, he's posting up an ERA that's hovering in the neighborhood about a 340 compared to about a 373 ERA on the road, but at home, he's been giving up less than a home run per nine innings on the road. This does balloon to more around about a 1.6, 1.7 home runs per nine innings. Not a guy that's going to give you a whole lot of strikeouts as he's been able to register in the neighborhood about seven and a half strikeouts at 2.5 walks per nine innings, but all in all, has been able to do a good job of folding it down, and I was mentioning this with Rob Donaldson in the last segment for the Boston Red Sox entering into yesterday. I believe that they had had like 11 straight overs as for the Red Sox. They are number one in the big leagues with regards to home batting average. They've got the biggest home and road splits that you're going to find in the big leagues. Typically, this moniker belongs to the Colorado Rockies, but not the case this year. As someone like Justin Turner is hitting about 40 points better at home rather than on the road, Jaron Duran. His on-base percentage is right around 75 points better when he is at home rather than when he has been on the road. Really, other than Masataka Yoshida, most of the guys in this lineup have very big home and road splits. And when it comes to Sasser's lineup, they have been the top-scoring lineup in the American League since the beginning of the month of June. Even with Jordan Alvarez being a little bit touch-and-go over the last few weeks, you've had so many guys being able to step up. Jose Altuve, since coming off the injury list, he's got north of a 400 on-base. You've got Kyle Tucker who's been able to slug out 25-plus home runs. He's done an incredible job finding a way to be able to move the line, and he's been able to give you about a 375 on base. Yanir Diaz really doesn't take his base, but he and Chaz McCormick both hitting between about a 282 285 with Diaz. He's up to 19 home runs this far this season, and Alex Bregman, he has been able to find it as well. For Bregman, he's been able to provide over the last three days a 423 on base, slugging out three home runs in his last 14 games as well, but I do think that this is going to be a game which is going to be a little bit lower scoring. J.P. France, he has been very much fortunate up until that last start they had against the Boston Red Sox. For Mr. France, he's got an ERA that is a sub-3-5, but the fielding independent that is way north of 4. He's a guy that just doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. 6.8 strikeouts to 2.7 walks per 9 innings, 351 ERA, compared to a fielding independent of a 4.37. And for J.P. France, he was doing a good job 
post-All-Star break of not allowing the deep ball that did reverse itself a little bit in his last start. And for J.P. France, it's been very interesting looking at his road ERA of a buck ninety-two. I do think that the Red Sox get to him a little bit more, though I do think that the 10 just a little bit bloated considering the Astros are a top seven team with regards to their bullpen ERA. You've got likes of a Ryan Presley along with Brian Tabreu, Kendall Graveman that have been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. Hector Neris is in that fold as well. For the Boston Red Sox, a relatively league average bullpen. Chris Martin has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Kenley Jansen has been good in his closing role thus far this season with a sub-3-3 ERA. Brandon Bernardino, Josh Winkowski been able to do their part as well. So here to 10, going to be taking a look at the honor. And with the Red Sox, want to lay up to a minus 125 on that money line. 967-968 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins make playoffs to the Cleveland Guardians as Pablo Lopez goes for the Twins. And Gavin Williams is on the bump for Cleveland. And Cleveland is a underdog of between plus 145 to a plus 153. Meanwhile, between minus 163 to a minus 175 is the number on Minnesota. Eight is the total. The over is between minus 115 to a minus 125. The under is a between minus 105 to a plus 105. And with Minnesota, I did set them at a minus 167. If you're taking a look at the run line, find that between about a plus 120 to a plus 125. I would need a little bit closer to a plus 130 here. And if I'm looking at the Guardians, I would need closer to about a plus 165. So right now, it's a case where I'd be willing to lay a little bit of a chalkier money line. I'm seeing like a minus 167. I'm seeing a minus 165 come to the forefront as well. So we shall see where this shakes out. But as of right now, I'd be considering the Minnesota Twins on a little bit of a chalkier money line as where the Twins, all of a sudden, they've been able to leap out a little bit more with regards to their offense. They put up six runs in the first two innings when I, of course, made the under the DK Network write-up pick in that game yesterday. So that's been a little bit of an issue. But with regards to the Minnesota Twins, they've been able to give you six-plus runs, I believe, and now five out of their last six games. And this is a Twins team that they do rank in the top eight in the big leagues with regards to home runs on a per-at-bat basis. You've got five separate guys giving you at least 16 home runs. Max Kepler, Carlos Correa, Joey Gallo, Michael A. Taylor, along with Brian Buxton. Obviously, without Byron Buxton right now, and these guys have not done a great job with regards to their on-base percentage, but Kepler starting to pick it up. He's hitting more in that neighborhood of 250, and it's really been impactful to get Royce Lewis into the fold as well. As he's hitting well above a 300, he's got a little bit of pop in the bat. Matt Walner has been able to do a good job providing a 335 on-base. His home runs per at-bat basis is more around like one every 14 to 15 at-bats. And for the Cleveland Guardians, they've been able to leap out with their offense the last two games, but if you look at their last 36 overall, they're still averaging fewer than 3.7 runs per contest, and they are still dead last in the big leagues with regards to home runs per game, as you've got a lot of guys, they, they just haven't been what they were a season ago. The Guardians were able to make the postseason during the 2022 season, even while being second worst in the big leagues with regards to home runs, because you saw so many guys like Will Brandon, Steven Kwan, Ahmed Rosario, Andre Semenez, Oscar Gonzalez, hitting a 270 or better. None of these guys are hitting above a 270 right now. Kwan is the only guy hitting above a 260 on that bunch, and Ahmed Rosario is currently with the LA Dodgers. So, and it's not great. Jose Ramirez has been able to give you 20-plus home runs, about a 353 on base percentage, but you look at the lineup that they trotted out there yesterday for the Guardians, you had six guys with a sub-308 on base percentage, so that's a little bit of an issue. You've got a Guardians team that really their backbone is a bullpen, a top six team with regards to bullpen ERA as they did have to utilize quite a few guys in that weekend series against the Blue Jays, but now they should be a little bit more rested up as you've got so many guys like Trevor Steven, Eli Morgan, Aniel De Los Santos. Now you get James Karinchek back in the fold as well, Emmanuel Classe, all these guys being able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA saying Sharon Chek, who I do think he's going to be able to pick it up. Meanwhile, for the Twins, 
It's been a touch-and-go bullpen all season long. Yohan Doran has been one of your better closers in the big leagues, and Emilio Pagan has actually been able to do a solid job as Duran, along with Caleb Theobar, sub-3 ERA. Pagan is more around about a 3-2, but then when you get past that, the likes of Jordan Balasovich, Josh Winder, the longer guys have not been able to give you a whole heck of a lot of anything, and they've been trying to mix and match ever since Brock Stewart has been out of the fold. So, very interesting spot with a guy in Pablo Lopez that has really been one of the most unlucky pitchers in the big leagues this season. For Pablo Lopez, he has deserved much better than the ERA of right around a 369 that he has gotten the fielding dependent. It's more around a 339. He's netting about 11 strikeouts to 2.3 walks per nine innings. Has been the victim of a lot of soft contact, just finding the wrong spot. And for Gavin Williams, he's been able to do a nice job of being able to mow them down. He's been recording between about nine to nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He gives up about one home run per nine innings. And for Gavin Williams, he's really excelled on the road. 205 road ERA compared to a 429 ERA at home. Unlike yesterday, I do think that we are going to actually get a lower scoring game in this spot. I said my total at 7.4. Here at any, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And with the Twins, at the current numbers, I'd be looking at a chalk your money line. Hopefully we can get closer to a plus 130 on that run line or something like that to be able to mitigate the juice, but we'll be willing to lay up to a minus 167 with the Twins and looking at this 800, 969, 970 on the betting board. It is the Oakland A's. They hit the road. They're facing off against the Seattle Mariners as George Kirby goes for the M's and Ken Waldachuk is on the bump for the A's. The A's are big underdogs anywhere between plus 242, plus 250. Meanwhile, between minus 276 to minus $3 is your number on Seattle. Eight is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. Seeing a straight 7.5 come out of the board, that over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. As I drive Kings and being out here in lovely Las Vegas, I do not have access to that, but I do have access to the other numbers at, at an eight. I would be taking a look at the under. Got an Oakland A team that is currently dead last in the big leagues with regards to runs per game. And Seattle is one of the best pitchers ballparks that you're going to find in the big leagues, especially when you've got that thick air during the nighttime out there on the West Coast. So I think that this is very much going to play to the advantage of George Kirby, who's been a little bit shaky recently. He's given up a combined seven runs over the course of his last two starts. But for George Kirby, as we know, the command, it has been absolutely tremendous with him. He has given up 14 walks over the course of 25 starts this year. He's averaging nearly a half a walk per start. It's absolutely ridiculous. His strikeout to walk ratio is north of 10. He's been able to do an amazing job with that command, and he keeps the ball in the yard. He's only giving up about one home run per nine innings. Now, you do have an Oakland A's team that's been hitting a little bit better on the road than they have been at home, but it's not like remarkably better or anything like that as it's an Oakland A's team that when they're at home, they're earning a 212 as a collective. They're earning a 232 on the road. So they're not deadlights with regards to adding average on the road, but overall for the season, they're minus with that regard. In terms of runs per game, they're generating just 3.6 per contest, more like four per game on the road. You've had Brent Rooker be able to supply 22 home runs, and many of these home runs have been coming on the road. As a matter of fact, a grand total of 15 of them have come on the road. And then you do have someone in Zach Eloff who's been able to about a 275. Ryan Noda has been able to do a solid job with his on-base percentage as well. But likes of Tony Kemp, Shea Langolaris, Jonathan Diaz, Nick Allen hitting a 225 or lower has been detrimental to this team. And for the Seattle Mariners, I do think that they're going to cool down a little bit with regards to their offense. But Julio Rodriguez, Oscar Hernandez, and Eugenio Suarez being able to give you 18 plus home runs has been tremendous for this team. I will say with Cal Raleigh, Got a little bit of a day of rest yesterday, and for Raleigh, he's not necessarily hitting for a lot of average, but 25 home runs, and it's certainly been playing quite well for him, especially with Tom Murphy and Jared Kelnick currently being on the injured list. But on top of that, a lot of these home runs, they've not been solo shots because you've been able to get J.P. Crawford on base. He's given you about a 370 on base. 
Dominic Canzone ever since he's come over to Seattle. He has been tremendous. Was a little bit of a cast off with the Arizona Diamondbacks in a short stint with the Seattle Mariners, hitting about a 250. He's had a pair of home runs, one of the, which was in a clutch situation. And for the Mariners, this is a top five team with regards to their bullpen ERA. So you've got just a plethora of guys here able to come in and they give you a sub 3-3 ERA. Gabe Spire, Andres Munoz, Isaiah Campbell, Justin Topa. You just go down the list and these guys have been able to deliver. Flip side for the Oakland A's. Dead last in the big leagues with regards to their bullpen ERA. You've got Austin Pruitt be able to give you a sub for ERA. And Anel Felipe was sub, but now he's out of the fold as well. So you run into some difficulty there. And then for Ken Waldachuk, he has been certainly giving up the deep ball. 1.7 home runs per nine innings and a 7.43 road ERA compared to a 4.44 ERA at home. He has made one appearance against Seattle. He gave up five runs in two and two-thirds innings. I think that he's going to be able to fare a little bit better in this spot, but I just don't see how the Oakland A's are going to be able to generate a whole lot of offense against a Seattle Mariners team in Seattle where it is very much pitcher-friendly. If you're taking a look at the run line in the spot, find that between a minus 125 to a minus 135. I was one to lay up to a minus 148 with this Mariners run line, so look in there and at the 8, taking a look at the under. 971-972 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays at third face-off against the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara is on the bump for Miami, and Aaron Silvalli is on the bump for Tampa Bay. The total is 7.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. The uh, Marlins are between minus 110 to a minus 112 favorite, anywhere between minus 108 to a plus 102 is your number on Tampa Bay. I set the Rays at a minus 136. I'm going to be willing to entrust in them. You got Aaron Savali, who's been just absolutely tremendous this year. I do think that there's going to be regression with Aaron Savali. He's pitched above his skis this year. He's got a fielding independent that's more in the neighborhood of about a 330 compared to his 259 ERA, but we've actually seen the reverse of what he got in Cleveland as opposed to what he's gotten in Tampa Bay. In Tampa Bay in his four starts, 354 ERA compared to a 239 fielding independent. In Cleveland, 234 ERA, 354 fielding independent. So very strange what we've been getting on that front, but first of all, in his four starts with Tampa Bay, He's been getting nine strikeouts to one walk per nine innings. His command has been very rock solid. Balls have just been finding the wrong places. And he gets to go up against a Marlins team that is very badly reeling. And the record is a little bit just deceiving in general with regards to Miami Marlins. As they're 66 and 65, the run differential is right around negative 48 because they've went 27 and 12 in wandering games. And the one guy that has not been able to get the same wins has been Sandy Alcantara. The team just has not been able to do a good job when he's been out there on the mound. And for Alcantara, he's never been a strikeout guy. He is only getting right around about seven or so strikeouts per nine innings. That's a good job of being able to mitigate the walks as his walks per nine rate. That's more in the neighborhood about 2.3. And for Alcantara, recently he's been a tad bit better, giving up three runs or fewer and now four out of his last six starts. And certainly is a guy that performs better at home rather than on the road. His ERA is a full point lower when he is at home rather than on the road. So he's 61 home ERA compared to a 461 ERA on the road. But if you take a look at overall for the season, it has been rough. You take out the first two starts of the season, the team is 9 and 15 in his starts. He has been posting up a 438 ERA. It's been a tad bit unlucky. 409 fielding independent in that time span as well, but it's been giving up the deep ball a little bit more. Now it's a face-off against the Tampa Bay Rays team that even with Wander Franco on the fold, he still have seven different guys that are able to give you at least 15 home runs and all but two of these guys are in north of a 250 for the team. You've had Yandy Diaz just continue to find a way to move line. 403 on base with him. Isak Paredes nearly a 360 on base. 26 home runs. Jose Siri not aiming for a lot of average. Doesn't draw a lot of walks. 
but 24 home runs at just under 300 at-bats. That has been impressive as well. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they've been mixing and matching with their bullpen. This is something that you do have concern with, and you need Aaron Savali along with Zach Eflin and Tyler Glasnow when they're out there on the bump to be able to lend length. Because when you're trotting out there, Zach, little your bullpen games, it does tax this bullpen quite a bit, needless to say. But with the Tampa Bay Rays, they have found a way to be able to have Colin Poucher, Jason Adam, Pete Fairbanks still be able to give you those sub-3-3 ERAs. So that has been very beneficial. You take a look at what they've done over the last 30 or so days. This is since August 1st. It's a Tampa Bay Rays team that, despite everything that has gone on, they've still been a league average bullpen with regards to their ERA. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, they pick up David Robertson, and he has been terrible in the closer spot. Posting up north of a 6 ERA, they've actually removed him from the closer spot. It was getting that bad. You've had a pair of guys in Stephen Okert and Renardi be able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA for the Miami Marlins. They're starting to be able to provide more home runs. Ori Solaris may be able to do it all season long. He's been able to give you about 35 home runs. His on-base percentage is suffering in that neighborhood about a 330. But Luis Arias, he has just not been the same guy that he was towards the beginning part of the season. And it was a big reason. Arias sitting north of a 375 that his team was a top five team. With regards to batting average, take a look at Arias and what he's been doing over the last three days. Sitting about a 248 with a 261 on base. It's just not going to fly. You got Brian De La Cruz, who continues to hit right around about a 262, 270, along with Asu Sanchez. And you've been able to have lots of power with regards to Josh Bell. Eight home runs in his first 87 at bats with the Miami Marlins. Jake Berger's been hitting at 333, not providing as much power as he did with the White Sox, but certainly has been able to move the line. But all in all, I do take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays team. I do think that they're going to be able to get it done in the spot at Sandy Alcantara. It's been one of the biggest money burners in all of baseball this year. I'm going to be wanting to lay up to a minus 135 with the Rays, so. Looking at the race on the money line. Did some I told it at 8.3. I think we get some scoring here. So we're going to have the over and that raise money line. 973-974 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies. They play LC. LA Angels says Tyler Anderson goes for the Halos. And Michael Lorenzen is on the bump for the Phils. The Phils are between minus 157 and minus 166 favorites. Between plus 140 and plus 148. Your number on the Halos. 9.5 is the total. The over and the under. Anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. And it is a total that I personally set it at 9.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the under as we know. With the Angels, they've got Mike Trout, who is currently out of the fold. Do have to wonder if the UCL injury is going to start to slow down Shoya Otani a little bit. First few games, he has looked like the Shoya Otani that we all know and love. So that has been a very refreshing to see. But you do have to have some trepidation and some question mark there. Though the Angels, they're not completely bereft of talent. I will say, though, Mickey Moniak, he does need to continue to pick it up. He had a multi-hit game yesterday. That's very refreshing as over the last 40 days going into yesterday, he was providing an on-base percentage with sub-250. They do get Logan Hoppy back in the fold as well. It's been a small sample size for him, but he was a part of the trade that actually sent Northor Syndergaard over to Philadelphia last season. So that's an interesting little parallel. Randall Gritchick has been able to move the line as well. And then you do have Brendan Drury, who's been able to give you 16-plus home runs, hanging about at 270, along with Otani, who's been able to supply those 40-plus home runs north of a 400 on base. So all in all, you still do have a few weapons for the Angels, but not the lineup we're used to seeing. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, all of a sudden, Bryce Harper has been able to find it. 10 home runs over his last 39 games after three home runs in his first 53 games. This is massive considering he's giving you about a four run base. As we know, Kyle Schwarber is your main matcher. He's been able to supply north of 35 home runs. And he's got as many singles as he does home runs thus far this season with a 333 on base. But you got another multi-home run game yesterday out of Trey Turner. Ever since that phantom standing ovation, he's honestly been a top five hitter in the big leagues over the last, we're going to call it three to four weeks 
Alec Bohm continues to move the line along to Cassianos, both in between about a 275 to 280. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they've got by far the better bullpen in this ordeal. As you've got Craig Kimbrell, it's been looking like the Craig Kimbrell of old this season. Jose Alvarado is able to give you a sub-2 ERA. They just got him off the injury list. And for Sir Anthony Dominguez, over the last month or so, since they got him off the injury list, he's been supplying a sub-3-4 ERA to help out with having Jeff Hoffman in the fold as well. And for the LA Angels, since the beginning of the month of August, they are dead last in the American League with regards to their bullpen ERA. It has been not great to say the least as Carlos Estevez has not been the guy that he was at the beginning part of the season. Matt Moore continues to give you a sub-3 ERA, but past that, you're relying upon guys like Andrew Wands, Aime Badia, and it's been rough with Aaron Lou posting up north of a 5-5 ERA. Kenny Rosenberg, perhaps you can get a little bit of something out of him, but it's been a little bit of a rough season on his front as well. And for Tyler Anderson, he just has not had the command that made him an all-star pitcher last year. The reason why Tyler Anderson was able to have so much success with the LA Dodgers is that he was giving up right around 1.7 walks per nine innings, and he was mitigating our contact. He's still only giving up about one home run per nine innings this year, and it's actually up with his strikeouts this year. Last year, that was seven strikeouts per nine innings, up to 7.6 this season, but four walks per nine innings for under 535 ERA compared to a 446 field independent. He's gotten a little bit unlucky, and then for Michael Lorenzen, it's not like he's lighting the world on fire, getting a bunch of strikeouts or anything like that, but he's just keeping the ball in the yard, and he's been the opposite. He has worked on his walks. Last year, north of four walks per nine innings, 2.5 walks per nine innings. This year, getting just 6.7 strikeouts per nine innings, 370 ERA compared to a fielding independent of a 413 because he is a pitch contact guy. He is going to get lit up from time to time as in his last three starts, he's had a no-hitter against the Nationals, gave up seven runs in his next start, and then gave up four to the San Francisco Giants. So it has been a little bit herky-jerky, but I think that Anderson is able to do a relatively okay job in this spot, but I do think that Michael Lorenzen going to keep the ball in the yard and is in a good spot against an Angels team that call it what it is. Very much reeling right now. Semi-total at a 9.2. The conditions look a little bit favorable in Philadelphia. You do always want to be checking the wind. And in Philadelphia, I do find that sometimes the wind, it can change at the last minute. But right now, looks like favorable conditions for pitching. So looking at the under. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, if you're taking a look at that run line, you're able to get a little bit of a plus price. I needed at least a plus 114 to be able to fire in right now. I'm finding right around plus 120. So taking a look at that run line to go along with the 9.5 under, 975, 970 six on the board. It is the Washington Nationals and they're on the road. They're facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays as Jose Barrios goes for the Jays and got Mackenzie Gore on the bump for the Washington Nationals and the Nationals and themselves as pretty sizable underdogs anywhere between plus 160 to plus 179. Meanwhile, Anywhere between minus 185 to minus 198 is your number on Toronto. 8.5 is the total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 105. The under is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 115. And with the Blue Jays, did something minus 196 on the money line. You're finding that run line at a plus 105. I was willing to lay up to about minus 104. So I'm going to be looking at Jose Barrios. And a big reason why I'm willing to fade the white out Washington Nationals in this spot is that Jose Barrios just throughout the entirety of his career. He has always been such a different pitcher home to road. This was the case when he was in Minnesota as well. For his career, 357 O'Meary, 472 ERA on the road with his home runs per nine rate being slashed by north of 33% 
when he is at home. Going up against someone in Mackenzie Gore that, let's call it what it is, he has been very much all over the place this season. He's a guy that's able to give you a lot of swings and misses. His strike guys per nine rate that has been in the pocket about 10.2, but he gives up about three and a half walks per nine innings. 438 ERA, 461 fielding dependent while giving up about 1.6 home runs per nine innings and has given up six plus runs and two out of his last three starts. So, Lions start they had against the New York Yankees a fielding really let him down. So, I mean, that wasn't all on him. That's a big reason why only two of those runs were earned, but with the Washington Nationals, I do expect a little bit of a cool down with a bunch of, they do a good job of not striking out. They do a very solid job of making sure that they put the ball in play. You just don't have a lot of power when it comes to Washington Nationals. Lane Thomas has been able to supply 20 home runs. He, Joey Manessis, along with Riley Adams, have all been able to give you north of a 275 batting average. And then got just a bunch of guys like a Kiber Ruiz, CJ Abrams, Dominic Smith, Jake Alou. These are guys that have been able to, between about a 255 to a 265, Stone Garrett has been in that fold as well, but you just don't have these guys really going deep, and you don't have a lot of walks drawn, and Robertios, he's done a good job giving up fewer than two and a half walks per nine innings, and it does feel like the Toronto Blue Jays are starting to find a little bit of something on offense. They're not going to be the offense that we expected coming into the season. They've been very league average all season long, but if had Danny Jansen be able to give you 16 home runs, it's on base percentage, that's up north of a 305. You've got a lot of guys in this roster between about a 325 to a 350 with regards to on base percentage. Flagger Jr., George Springer, Whit Merrifield, Matt Chapman, Bo Bichette on that fold. And Bichette has been able to give you about a 320 average. But Davis Schneider, in limited opportunities, he's been able to give you six home runs and it's hitting north of a 400, obviously. In less than 100 bats, it's easier to be able to hit for that sort of an average. But that's been very refreshing to see. You've got Flagger Jr. has been able to give you a little bit of power recently. And for the Blue Jays, they've got on their side a top five team with regards to bullpen ERA. Lots of guys like Jay Jackson along with Jordan Romano that have been able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. Been able to get a lot of production out of Bowden Francis recently. And ever since you've been able to get into the full Jordan Nix, that has added a little bit of a wrinkle as well, though he's been posting up about a 435 ERA ever since he has come over. And for the Washington Nationals, the bullpen has been improving a little bit recently, but same time, you still do have guys like Jose Ferraro who's giving you nearly a 5-year. Mason Thompson has been a bit all over the place. Jordan Weems, Hunter Harvey, Kyle Finnegan is your big three. They've all been able to give you a sub-3-2 ERA, but for the Nationals, still a bottom five team with regards to bullpen ERA. So it is an ordeal where I think that Barrios is going to be able to shut down the Nationals team that they make contact with the ball. They don't necessarily generate a lot of power, so going to be taking a look at the Blue Jays on the run line. Did some tell it at 8.6. I think that Barrios gives up some runs, but I also think that Mackenzie Gore's struggles do manifest themselves north of the border as well. So take a look at the over of 8.5 and, and take a look at the run line of the Blue Jays, 977, 978 on the main board. This is going to be the DK Network right-up pick. Let's get online with these as the Texas Rangers at the red face-off against the New York Mets. Jose Quitana is on the bump for the Mets. Andrew Keeney is on the bump for Texas and Texas is back to being a slight favorite. Between minus 119 to minus 125, plus 105 to plus 110, your number on the Metropolitans, 8.5 is the total. Unders between minus 110 to a minus 120, the overs any between even and minus 110. It's actually opened up at an 8. I figured that this was going to be going up. I was picking something that I knew I would still be taking if this moved up. It, I was willing to take it up to a 9 over as well, so even if this goes up overnight, still I'm going to be looking at this total over as got someone in Andrew Heaney that the good is he's given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last six starts. 
The bad is he's offering no length whatsoever. Five and a third innings or fewer in nine out of his last ten starts. He has not completed five innings in any of his last three starts. As for Heaney, he's got an ERA right around a 434. He's fielding independent. That's more in the neighborhood of about a 490. So he's got a fielding independent that's quite a bit higher because he's given up between 1.6 and 1.7 home runs per nine innings, offering about three and a half walks per nine. And for him, nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings is way down from what he's done in past years. And five punch outs or fewer in each out of his last four starts. So he's been a little bit of a problem child with that regard. Meanwhile, you've got someone in Nose Kitana that I do think that regression is going to be starting to catch up with him a little bit as well. He's made seven starts and has allowed one home run in 41 innings. Now he has to go up against the Texas Rangers team that leads the American League with regards to runs per game. So I think that that is going to be meeting its match for Quintana. He's getting about six half strikeouts at 3.7 walks for nine innings. Just really hasn't been too impressive. And both of these starting pitchers are backed up by bullpens that are rough. For the Mets, they entered into Monday 22nd in the big leagues with regards to bullpen area. For the Texas Rangers, 25th. With regards to bullpen anyway. So neither of these teams are offering too much now. I will say some of the late pickups that we've seen, Adam Kolarik along with Sam Coonrod. I actually like those for the New York Mets. I feel like they got a little bit better with that. You do have someone in Brooks Raley that all season long has been able to do a nice job. He's providing a sub three ERA, but when you get into the likes of Drew Smith, Grant Hartwig, and guys of this ilk, you got a lot of guys that they just aren't providing very much at all. They all have north of a 380 ERA. Jeff Brigham, Phil Bickford, it's been not great with that regard. And for the Texas Rangers, I do think that the bullpen is a little bit better than 25th in the big leagues. As you do have the likes of Oralis Chapman, Brock Burke, that may be able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, but Will Smith has happened himself recently. Do like Jose LeClerc, but all in all, it is a bullpen that it can be rough as well. But what is rough is facing off against a Rangers team that leads the American League, being able to generate about 5.6 runs per contest. And in the game yesterday, all but two of their players in the starting lineup entered in the game, hitting at least a 265. And you've got so many guys there to put back to ball. Josh Young being on the injury list, that does hurt the team quite a bit. But even without Young, you still have five separate guys that will give you at least 15 home runs, six different guys with at least 14 home runs this season, with all but one guy, Adolis Garcia, hitting at least a 265. And all but one guy being able to give you north of a 325 on base. So these are guys that are very good at being able to move the line, including Corey Seager, 24 home runs, hitting a 340. He has been a wizard with that regard. And for the Texas Rangers, do they see about a 20-point fall-off with regards to their batting average when they're on the road? They absolutely do, but at the same time, they do a great job of hitting both righties and lefties. They're hitting about a 264 as a collective against righties, 280 against lefties. So they do a lot of damage against lefties. Meanwhile, you've got a New York Mets lineup that is dead last in the National League with regards to home batting average, but they're a team that's number three in terms of home runs on a per at-bat basis at home. So when they do make contact, it goes a long way. You've got Pete Alonso who's been able to give you 39 home runs this far this season. The two Franciscos, Francisco Lindor, Francisco Alvarez, combined 45 home runs. And for this team, they've been able to get a little bit more average post-All-Star break as for Alonso since coming off the injured list. He has been a much different player post-All-Star break. He's been able to give you about a 360 on base. Post-All-Star break as well. You've had Francisco Lindor provide a 375 on base. Jeff McNeil in this time span hitting about a 292 as well. Bottom of the full, guys like Daniel Mendick, Tim LaCastro, Matt Fantini sitting below a 220. That's been a little bit of an issue, but you do have the top guys doing a very solid job being able to find a way to be able to move lines. So 
I do think that we are in for a very high-scoring affair in this one. My write-up pick is going to be on the total over. And with the Rangers, I do feel like they are justified in being a favorite. These bullpens and these pitchers, they certainly do have their question marks. Probably the fewest question marks is with Jose Quintana, but I don't think that his just ability to be able to get soft contact is going to be withstanding. So DK Network write-up pick is on the over with the Rangers. One play up to a minus 128 on the money line, and wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates on the road facing off against the Kansas City Royals. Cole Reagans goes for the Royals. It looks like it's going to be a bullpen game for the Pirates. I'm thinking that Andre 3000 Jackson, if he doesn't start at minimum, he's going to be a bulk guy. And assuming that I set the Royals at a minus 148 on the money line, would need at least a plus 149 to take a shot on the Pittsburgh Pirates and a total to wear. And ain't that for less, I'd be taking a look at the over a nine or higher to the under. Cole Reagans, ever since he has come over to Kansas City, has been very good for this bunch as he's a former first round pick of the old Walker Texas Rangers and his strikeout numbers have been very good. He's been able to give you between about 9 to 10 strikeouts per 9 innings ever since he has come over to the Kansas City Royals with his ERA with the Royals. It is a 208. He's done it both at home and on the road at a very nice start at Wrigley when the wind was blowing up a few weeks ago and his strikeout to walk ratio now a 4.7 with the Royals in his time with the Texas Rangers. That was more around 1.7. He's really been able to put it together giving up three runs or fewer in all of his starts with the Royals. I should say earned runs because there was one start where he gave up four runs but there were a few unearned runs against the St. Louis Cardinals but on all been able to do a nice job. If there is a hole to poke into it, he has faced off against some lesser competition like the Cardinals, like the Oakland A's, but I can sound like the Pittsburgh Pirates are doing a great job of putting bat to ball themselves. You do have Jack Swinniski who's been able to give you 21 home runs, but his batting average over the last 45 days is below a buck 50. That has been really sad to watch. Brian Reynolds has been able to supply about 18 home runs. He's hitting about a 262-265, but you're relying upon someone like uh, Joshua Palacios, guys like Alfonso Rivas. They just have not been able to give you a lot of power for one and two. They're not even really moving the line. Like, you've got a shortstop that I think is going to be good in a few years, and Alkia Williams, but he's hitting about a 220. He doesn't have a lot of pop in the bat. The team isn't trying a lot of walks. Speaking of not drawing any walks whatsoever, that'd be the Kansas City Royals. Dead last with regards to walk strong on a per at bat basis, but since the All Star break, this is a team that's hitting north of a 270 as a collective with Bobby Witt Jr. over the last 35 days, hitting north of a 350. He's now up to 26 home runs overall for the season. Salvador Perez sitting about a 250. He's been able to supply 19 home runs. Nelson Vasquez in his limited amount of at bats has been able to supply the deep ball. Matt Beattie's hitting a 275. So the Royals, they really have been able to shape up with regards to this offense. If you do get Andre Jackson, He's been able to get some swings and misses throughout his career. He's an up-and-down pitcher, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, just all in all, this is a bullpen that it's average. It's not great. It's not terrible. Some of the longer guys you do have your question marks with, and we have seen Jonathan Hernandez have his issues recently. He's up to about a 4.54 ERA, but if you're able to get into more of the trustworthy guys, like a David Benar, Colin Olderman, they've been able to give you a sub-3.5 ERA. Colin Moldesinski being on the injured list has been earning this team a little bit, but all in all, it's not the worst bullpen, so I do think that the Royals generate just enough to be able to get Cole Reagans a victory. It's a total to wear an 8.5 for less looking at the over 9 higher to the under as the Pirates. Since the beginning of the month of May, they have been dead last in the National League with regards to runs per game. And with the Royals, one lay up to a minus 147 with Reagans need at least a plus 149 to take a shot on the Pirates. And that'll wrap things up. 
for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. If you do like appearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore one Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Big thanks to Rob Donaldson of Rob's Best Bets for joining me in the last segment. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. We'll tweet some coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 